Welcome to the Go Within podcast. My name is Yasmin and I'm really excited to share this episode with you today because Dr. Lydia Babenko, who's my guest today, she's a person who I've wanted to have on this podcast for a very long time. And the reason for that is because she is a person or one one of the sort of handful of people who have had the biggest and deepest, most profound impact on my life. Something that I will forever be grateful for and also that inspires me to want to bring her here to share her wisdom with you all because it was that wisdom and that life experience that she's had that had had that impact on my life, right? Some of you may know that recently I launched a course called Holding Space and Dr. Lydia was actually the one who taught me how to hold space for myself originally and she was the original person who I can say I saw holding space for others and when you see someone holding space for others they're kind of your your model of how how it should be done and 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 that it is even a beautiful thing to do right when you're receiving and being held by someone in space and you realize the profound impact it can have on your life it really shows you just what a beautiful thing it it is to do for others and i didn't really realize at the time but I, it, I did get kick-started on this journey to hold space for myself and it, it led me to eventually be in a position to be able to share that experience and, and now hold space for others. So it's, it's a topic that is close to my heart, how to do this, and there is uh, no one <laughs> um, quite so adept at it um, as Lydia is. And that is a product of her own background uh, as a psychiatrist and working with a lot of different people all around the world, which is what we're gonna, one of the things we're gonna dive into in, in this conversation. Lydia is a person who I could have spoken about so many different topics with. <laughs> we could have gone into food. She's a, a doctor who does a lot of um, healing and guiding people through food. But, and, and spirituality, she's an, a meditation teacher. She has a very deep and rich history in spiritual practice. But I decided to focus this conversation more around the topic of transpersonal psychology because that is the way that Lydia most impacted me through her workshops in transpersonal psychology, through her workshops with family constellations, breath work, and so on. And it's something that I am extremely passionate about. It's something that I absolutely love working with. So I wanted to bring you a little bit more insight into this field, what transpersonal psychology is all about. And uh, yeah, I just think it's something that we all need in our lives to understand our own psyche, but in a way that also includes our soul. So this is really what this conversation all is all about. It's about the marriage between psychology and, and the soul and how to become more human and how to be able to express ourselves in a better way in our lives. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this one. I certainly did. It's full of some amazing wisdom. And I'm very grateful to have managed to catch Lydia for an hour of her time because she's leaving the island shortly to host some retreats abroad. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being interested in this beautiful topic. And uh, as always, I just humbly request you that if this episode touches you and, and supports your inner journey anyway, then please share the love and send this podcast out. Actually, a lot of people don't know about this podcast, even people who have been to Sanya many times. So I, I do appreciate the share. And I also appreciate your feedback if you did find it uh, helpful in any way. Thank you so much. And here's my conversation with Lydia. So thank you, Lydia, for coming. I've 
actually been wanting to record this podcast many, many times. And in fact, I think I asked you a few times, but we got the inspiration by wanting to catch you before you fly away to your next adventure. There are so many things that we can talk about, but I think I was again re-inspired by your talk that you did a few days ago, because I really loved the way that you took the topic, which was about brotherhood and connected it to the archetypes of the mother. It was just a really beautiful way to kind of structure your thoughts about it. And the whole idea of transpersonal psychology was something that you gave me a big inspiration into many, many years ago. And it's not something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. So I thought it would be nice to introduce people to this and obviously your work as a psychotherapist and you were trained as a psychiatrist so that you're the perfect person really to talk about this and, and introduce people to this concept because sadly it's something that's still not that many people understand the link between psychology and spirituality. So maybe we can start this conversation by talking a little bit about how that journey of, of bringing those two worlds together started for you. So thank you for your invitation. I'm happy to share my stories and uh, my discoveries and some knowledge and to remind people that we are not just that. We are not just this body. We are not just the social roles that we are playing in the daily life. We are not just mothers, the wives, the women and men. We are spiritual um, creation that is embodied and uh, we are living material life, uh, trying to learn through the material life, but we are still belong to the spiritual world. Why I am so sure about it? Because, uh, as you know, I'm a medical doctor. So, and before that I was a musician. So it was absolutely different uh, two opposite world because uh, uh, the world of music is the very ethymerical uh, world. It's uh, the world of feelings, perceptions, music is uh, vibrational frequencies. It's all about your interpretations of your own moods, etc. And the medicine is a very details, very down to earth. And uh, uh, actually, uh, conservative science, science, and uh, we have to be conservative because it's very much connected to human life, the qualities, or even death and life. So we need to be very careful and very precise. And for me to match these two oppositions was quite a challenge. That's why I chose a psychiatry after being graduated as a therapist, as a JP. So the specialization was on psychiatry. Um, however, the psychiatry also did not satisfy me because it was also uh, more connected to the biochemistry and uh, more to the body behavior. And uh, the more I've been uh, working, uh, the more I've been absorbing uh, my patients, psychiatric patients, the more I realized that we do not know nothing about psyche, human psyche, and we are dealing with the unknown uh, terra incognita uh, field, but at the same time 
we are like the elephant in a uh, jewelry uh, shop. So we are sort of stepping on something very delicate. We are dealing with that uh, from a very harmful point. And unfortunately, the psychiatry is a very slippery area where um, the interpretations of human behavior uh, can be mixed up uh, between the pathology and the spiritual experience or spiritual crisis. It was for me very clear. And uh, so after a couple of years, I realized that it's too tight for me. The field of psychiatry is too tight. And um, I've been involved into the medical system that is also uh, uh, of course, uh, under some special medical dogmas. So when you're inside of the system, you cannot experiment. You cannot uh, sort of develop your perceptions, your knowledge. And luckily, in the same time, it was um, after perestroika, uh, Professor Tengrov visited Russia. And uh, luckily, I've been as uh, the most revolutionary young doctor, I've been sent to his conference and uh, I have a very deep spiritual experience because Professor Stan Grove, he's not uh, only a great talker, great philosopher and a speechman, uh, he is also a visionary and um, I will not uh, uh, regret this word, he is a shaman, so he is a spiritual leader. So uh, he introduced to the world of professionals that is uh, sort of occupied with the academical knowledge, academical style of thinking. He bring this uh, fresh air of the experience. And the experience makes big difference because one way to speak about theory, one way Charles Darwin talking about a human <laughs> came from the monkey, and another way to see uh, to see the experience to prove it. Yeah. So uh, my first experience uh, under growth was uh, just incredibly deep. And it transformed a lot of my vision and perceptions. And I need to take uh, a few months after just to come back to my senses and to analyze about it. It was very, very implemental. And uh, uh, I uh, know some stories of uh, the others, my colleagues uh, or some spiritual um, seekers who told me their own stories. Uh, and in the stories also, I noticed that through their own spiritual experience, they changed their opinions and view to the science, to the world, to the human being, etc., etc. So, Lydia, if I can just pause you, because <clears throat> maybe a lot of people don't know about Stanislav Grof and the kind of experience that you had there. So maybe you can just explain a little kind of what the workshop was about and your, your experience there. So Professor Stanislav Grof uh, is a, uh, was a, a student of uh, Gustav Jung, so uh, most probably this name well known. Yeah, and uh, Gustav Jung was a student of uh, Sigmund Freud. So Freud is also, I'm sure, well known in the society. 
And uh, Gustav Jung was the first who bring the idea of a collective uh, unconsciousness, collective uh, um, level, the level of collective archetype to whom we belong to. For example, we all uh, belong to two types of people, women and men. So there is uh, some image, some uh, um, uh, perfect idea of uh, femininity and perfect idea of masculinity. Beside of that, we all know uh, the child is a child, the mother is a mother, the father is a father. We have uh, different archetypes of uh, king, uh, queen, we have an uh, archetype of the monk, the hermit. A lot of these kind of archetypes you can see in the tarot cards, for example. And uh, 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 Gustav Jung, uh, he developed this idea, and actually I really recommend for the uh, spiritual seekers to uh, pay attention for his work. So uh, Stan Grof came from uh, the psychiatric uh, side of medicine, he was a psychiatrist, and uh, he uh, been very much interested about the treatment of uh, psychotic conditions of mind. So it's a schizophrenia, it's a different kind of uh, uh, serious uh, psychotic conditions. And uh, uh, that time uh, begins to be a revolution in the world about LSD and uh, psychedelics, so people was looking for the uh, answers for to find some remedies, some medicine for their condition. Like now, for example, is the cannabinoids, yeah, the oil is becoming to be more and more popular. The serious uh, medical professors are discussing about it. So that time it also was a huge discussion, and uh, not only discussion, um, uh, Stan Grof have been uh, involved in the experimental group uh, of uh, doctors who start using this uh, uh, LRT for the treatment on schizophrenia. And uh, of course, being a very honest and very curious, uh, very open mind, so he uh, started to experiment on himself. And then the, uh, uh, some uh, small circle of friends, etc., etc. And uh, the first material, uh, first uh, uh, research have been done on that way. And they, they actually have a very good result. And it was just in the beginning. Unfortunately, LSD was too easy to get. And um, the young people started using it, started mixing it uh, with uh, some drugs, with the alcohol, and uh, it was more and more harmful experience on it. So LSD was tabooed not only in the social use, using, but also in the medical field. So after that, uh, in Europe, after that, because Stan Grof, he is uh, from Czechoslovakia. So after that, uh, Grof have to leave uh, to America, where for a couple of years it was available, but then it was tabooing there as well. Why uh, I paid attention for that? Because um, uh, we do not know the world where do we live, and uh, we have a lot of fears. We have a lot of sort of. Um, 
blockage, resistance in our mind. We are following some stereotypes and um, many, many areas becoming to be undiscovered. We shouldn't, because uh, at least uh, this is what is science for. So the science is not about uh, how to preserve the scientific beliefs, because science is not a belief system. We already have religions. So the science is about how to break all the time some stagnant dogmas. And uh, unfortunately, uh, so we are still sort of, <laughs> in my opinion, of course, uh, the some science uh, still have a sort of a religious statement. So they believe for some dogmas and a lot of discoveries and work is based on that beliefs, what it shouldn't be. But uh, uh, coming back to the discussion of um, transpersonal psychology, so that is actually was the root. When uh, the psychedelics were stubborn in America and all over the world, civilized, we call civilized world, so Grof uh, uh, started to put his attention to the ethnical world. So it was more of Africa, Latin America. And he discovered many interesting techniques in the culture, uh, uh, in the cultures of uh, Eskimos, Shaman, Peru, Amazonian people, Brazil, some tribal uh, traditions. So he found that a lot of healing methods are based on the psychedelics. Uh, uh, techniques, and a lot of them are based on breathing. And they also uh, connected it to yoga, pranayama, and it would have a huge thousands of years experience. So it's bringing him the understanding of this uh, uh, sort of new ideas of um, uh, transpersonal psychology, what is this transpersonal? It's beyond the personality, it's uh, beyond biography. Most uh, of the academical psychological school uh, belong to the biographical material. So how have you been born? What is your mother? What is your father? So what is the society? How did you eat, etc. But beside of that, uh, we have a transpersonal uh, aspect of ourselves, metaphysical aspect. And uh, this is the area, even now, in our very advanced uh, time, it's more most area of a spiritualist, a philosophers. Uh, but unfortunately, the scientist is uh, in a very, very uh, near this area, not in yet. So transpersonal psychology, yes. And uh, what I found in my quite long experience in this field, because uh, uh, that called me after my own experience, transpersonal psychology has really called me. I was searching how can I study more about it, how can I experience more about myself, how can I apply to my um, uh, medical profession and uh, how we can find a solution for serious uh, illnesses, serious mind condition. So it was quite a long way. I started to work with the drug addicted people, then the prisoners, and then people uh, after Chechnya soldiers, after Chechnya, Afghanistan, so post-traumatic conditions. 
And uh, that time, it was a perestroika time. It was a lot of bankruptcies, uh, young people open a business, the business was collapsed, it was a lot of criminals. <laughs> so now I'm looking back for that. And it's like uh, um, it was a movie of uh, demons and angels. So <laughs> I really saw it archetypal. So sometime during the breath work, because the technique what is growth set up, and uh, the field of tra uh, transpersonal psychology is not only uh, holotropic breathing, the invention of uh, Professor Grove, but uh, this is a big part of it. So <clears throat> sometimes we, we can see it as a, uh, people becoming to be very archetypal, very demonical or very angelical, and uh, it have a deep healing effect because uh, once we repeat some experience, we are freeing ourselves from being influenced of, of these archetypes. I think, Lydia, it's <clears throat> sometimes really hard for people to believe that when you go back to your pain and you feel it, that you will be liberated from it. It's like we have this thing of a fear to go back to it and, and a feeling like if we do, we're just indulging or victimizing ourselves. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the healing potential from going back to that pain, obviously in a different way to how we originally experienced it. Well, uh, now is a time when uh, even medical science start to speak about a lot about psychosomatic condition. Uh, what is this? It's uh, mean our psychological aspect very much influenced the somatic or embodied uh, condition, so our the function of our organs, the uh, blood circulation, the innervation, the function of our uh, endocrine system, very much related to the state of our nervous system, and uh, uh, connected to the psychological state. Uh, people knows about it. They said when I'm in stress, so when I was in stress, I got a heart attack. How stress can influence you? Nobody torture you, yes, with a knife. But people saying, my heart was like uh, tortured with a, with a knife. So what is this? It's an emotional influence. Yeah? So it's a psychological aspect. And um, according to your questions, why it's important to go back to your pain. The pain is like an electric charge in our body, because our human body is a, a system of a, a electromagnetic uh, mechanism. So if we will take a small unit of each cell, each cell is an electromagnetic mechanism. So we have a, a minuses and pluses all over our membrane of the cells, and all our body is like that. We have a special electric potencies in different organs, in our brain, in our internal organs. And uh, where, uh, when we have a pain, uh, physical pain, emotional pain, uh, feelings, um, uh, feelings of pain, to, uh, to pain getting from the feelings, uh, of course it's imprinted in our electricity. The, uh, Kirlian's model, uh, the first scientist who was trying to bring the uh, electric 
uh, nature of human body in a visual way. So they invent this model and you can see uh, the bodies in stress and body in relaxation. So you can see how much uh, electro, uh, uh, what's the state of elect electromagnetic field around this people. So when we experience pain, it means in this place we have uh, some charge different than from the other parts of our body. Yes, so we, let's be, let's start it from very material, basic things. So if we have this charge, how to neutralize it? We need to remove it. How to remove it? We need to find where it is. And when we found it, how to deal with that? We have to go to this situation and we need to rewrite. So we need to allow this um, charge to go away. There is a very good technique, it's called EFT techniques, so the tapping technique. But it's not only about tapping, it's a quite a deep knowledge behind of this very simple manual system and it creates a special wave through your body. This technique I really recommend to study uh, to any kind of uh, psychologist or psychotherapist or people, just the coaches, because it's extremely uh, useful technique uh, uh, and practice uh, to help people to remove this pain. So what is the uh, simple, in a simple way, what is this? You are simply saying, what do you feel? For example, I am angry or I am in pain. And you are tapping in the particular areas of your body. So you are going into this place. Most of the time people expressing it. So we call it catharsis. Yeah, the catharsis is uh, uh, the biggest healer. <laughs> And uh, so people becoming uh, to uh, experience what do they feel before. So they are crying or sometimes they are laughing or they are yawning. So it's also the sign when we release the charge or uh, people are bulging. Some emotional expressions are there. What uh, our mental state usually suppressed. So all kind of healings is, uh, if we can simplify it, uh, the language. Uh, so all kind of healing is about how to neutralize the charges and how to harmonize, how to make ourselves zero. Yeah? So when we're in zero, we call it harmony. When we are not in zero, we experience pain or disturbances or confusion. So that's in a short way. <laughs> Thank you, Lydia. I think a lot of people sort of feel like <clears throat> if I go back to that pain, how will I feel differently about it? But from my experience, it's like when we go back to that pain, we're taking our adult mind. And uh, I guess there is some part which our intellect and our consciousness is, is, as you said, like rewriting it and seeing things in a different way. I don't know if you have any comment about that, like how how that process works? Or? Uh, yes and no, because uh, our adult mind is very tricky. Our adult mind think that it's not at all how it's to be. But I more believe to, for the inner child. So because the inner child is our real nature. It's an um, expression, so it's the truth. And uh, so, uh, because a lot of our uh, pain begins uh, in our childhood 
we uh, need to go in our memory to that time and we just need to allow things happen. We just need to allow this child to express itself. Yes, if you remember, small children, they, when they're happy, everyone knows about it. And if they're unhappy, everyone knows about it either. So they do not understand the norms of our etiquette. They're just spontaneously truthful. And because of that, it's, it's helped children to be more sustainable. Uh, yes, they can be very sick, so they experience a very high temperature, very strong cough, but one week pass and already they're smiling, running around like nothing happened. The adults are different because we are not, we for, forgot how to express ourselves. So we think, okay, today I will do my audit and tomorrow and when I will finish, then I will allow myself to be sick. So, but this time of suppression, the body do not understand that. So we chronicate our disorders. And coming back to the words catharsis, I would like to stress about it because in my experience, quite a long time, I have a 35 years of professional experience, uh, I found that catharsis uh, is actually uh, have uh, the most healing effect. And the catharsis, uh, of course, condition the space when it's possible to happen. And uh, when I saw your uh, workshops and retreat, of space holding. So what is this? It's uh, very important if you have a trustful environment. So if you know that no one is judging you, if you know that no one will stop you when you will be open up. Many people afraid to start because they're not sure that they will be capable to end in the right way. So to hold the right space, the trustful environment is number one for our release and for the healing effect. Uh, any kind of healing, mental, emotional, physical as well. Uh, women uh, uh, like to complain. This is why women live longer than men. <laughs> because women complains, complains, still <coughs> complains. Women intuitively, of course, trying to go back and repeat the story how they get sick. Yeah? So all the neighbors knew the details of what happened with this woman uh, many years ago. <laughs> and she's crying every time. So what actually she is doing? She's trying to release this charge. So it's very understandable. We should understand this kind of people. And we should support. And we actually need to learn from them because we are more mental people. We know it all how to do things. And um, many times we sort of create our own disorders just being too proud of our knowledge or skills and do not understand the simple things. When you hurt, express yourself. Uh, doesn't mean to blame, because this is what is most common situation. So you are the one who is responsible for my feelings, for my pain, for my anger, for my unhappiness. Yes. So especially in relationship, in our era, the relationship is the most challengeable area, and actually the most 
adventures because no one can mirror you in the best way. So you can look at yourself as an angel, but uh, uh, you do not see that uh, this angel have a horn. <laughs> So only the only one who will come close to you will see it and will allow you to see it. And of course, we do not like it. So this is why the separations, the divorces, very common in our generations, in our era, because we do not want to be so bad in our own eyes. But to deal with that and to accept it and to heal this demon who want to be an angel. This is what about catharsis. So to see your darkness, your shadows, and to realize that it's just the shadows. So it's all transformative work. Maybe it's a bit too metaphorical language uh, because people want to know something solid, like take some pill or take some, some psychedelics and to experience. No, but in our daily life, we're all the time in the field of um, transpersonal psychology. So the same way, like God is not only in the church. So it's also in the forest, the home, because it's in our heart. And the same our transpersonal state. So we are embodied, but also we are not only there. Our mind, our heart, our soul is all, always connected to that. And actually, what is the psychology? What is the psychotherapy? Psychos means the soul. So psychology, so the science of the soul. And uh, to uh, refuse the soul from the science, it's uh, actually to be against of its own science, <laughs> the contradiction. <laughs> so <clears throat> I truly believe that any kind of science have a metaphysical level. And actually, like now, uh, growing more and more, this aspect of physics called quantum physics. Yeah, so it's, we are stepping, as a humanity, we are stepping into the absolutely new field when the matter and the uh, um, uh, spiritual aspect, spiritual nature, are connected. So it's fascinating. I, hope I can, <laughs> I'm already 60, so I hope I will still see the time when some new discoveries on that field will be there and we will understand more the possibilities of looking deeper in ourselves. In Tao tradition of Chinese culture, they are saying, that man is a measure of everything in this world. So um, I believe that it is true. So we can measure uh, physical world and we also can measure through ourselves <coughs> the spiritual world. Uh, because many times uh, people behaving in the wrong way, not because they are bad, but because they are under the influence of the archetypal um, condition. It's uh, becoming to be like materialistic. What do I mean? For example, if uh, people are living under the pressure of some uh, regime, uh, some uh, uh, tyrannic regime, uh, people becoming to be like soldiers. And uh, 
they educate, they train the, uh, the system, educate and train their mind, they program that they are just the soldiers and they behave like that. But inside of the soldiers are the same child is crying, uh, the same um, uh, open heart who are looking for love, for tenderness and uh, relations, uh, divine blessings. So this is all serious things. Uh, so uh, I hope, I hope uh, through this catharsis where we are now, social catharsis, political catharsis and economical catharsis, especially this uh, coronavirus, this small virus, it's another archetype yes, of suppression. So small virus is, uh, uh, becoming to be a, such a big monster for all the humanity that everyone <laughs> influence of it. So I'm laughing not because I do not take it serious, but the paradox is we need to remember our greatness. So we are not just a physical body that can be poisoned with a small virus, but uh, when we remember our greatness, our energy, our uh, systems, uh, included our physical systems, uh, becoming to be stronger, our immune system is more defensive. And we are more protected. I'd really like to go more kind of like down the spiritual, but I really want to bring it back to something that you said, which I think a lot of people need to, to hear. Like you touched on that point of how much we suppress our expression. And like we've lost that inner child to just cry when we're sad, laugh when we're happy and so on. And I. I don't know like what I want you to say exactly, but I just want to talk about it more because I really see this a lot with, with people that come at Sanya and and I saw it even in myself, right? In fact, when I first met you, I had that also, that I uh, had that defense mechanism of protecting myself from my own feelings. And I actually had to learn through the breathing and through all of the different things how to feel my own emotion. And, and maybe you can just kind of speak to that and, and how can people hold space for themselves, right? Because that's what it is, like that safety kind of starts within our own self to to just express and, and kind of override these obstacles of what society tells us or what our conditioning tells us is okay and is not okay. Yes, it's a very uh, vulnerable question. If you remember when we met for the first time a long time ago, I use uh, uh, to say a lot about uh, the humanity is in an emotional handicap because uh, uh, we are trained more uh, in a mental state, so we are rational. And this rationality is actually just a small part of ourselves. The rationality must serve our being, not our being should serve to our rationality. And uh, so last time in a conference, some scientists from Indonesia asked me what is the, the difference between the science and the religion. And he said, we are so scientifically advanced that uh, we uh, sort of, uh, we can neglect the religion because the religion brings us, or spirituality brings us some nonsenses. So what I want to say uh, by mentioning that, that um, we need to remember that this is a small part of ourselves. To come back to our real feelings, it means to remember who you really are. 
for example, like there are many different specialists, many different engineers, different uh, military officers, for example, doctors or uh, mentors or teachers or um, I don't know the floor sweepers, uh, cleaners, uh, mechanics. So many, many different. Uh, but this is just a function. Beside of each function, there is a, a human being that is alive. And uh, every time, if one person is aware about it, every time when you talk to the other person, you can apply your talk to that part of this person. Not, uh, so what is your salary? <laughs> and not just uh, what is your professional achievement, but who are you truly? What makes you smile? What makes you laugh? What makes you cry? So what was your experience in your childhood? How we can uh, be deeper in ourselves? Because I believe that each person is absolutely uh, unique. And uh, there is a... Um, the combinations of uh, uh, physiology, the ornament of perceptions, the way of thinking, feelings. So it's the same feelings, for example, of anger, but each person brings it different. The same feelings of love or tenderness, especially in tenderness, people are really bringing out themselves. And you can see that there are no really, uh, no fears be behind of it. And what I found in my retreats, as you know, I did many different retreats in many different countries that also bring me this understanding that we are one, because uh, I saw many different cultures, but in the root, we are the same. So we're all connected to the mother, we know how to be the children, so we know how to be unconditional. Uh, it doesn't mean that we should uh, neglect our culture, misbehave, to be so free hippie <laughs> or rebels, etc. So it's another amplitude, uh, another uh, polarity. But um, this is all happen when people are suppressed. So when we're holding a space for our human uh, nature, then I truly believe that all the diplomacies are here. So if we're looking for our similarities, then we will look always for peace, uh, satisfaction and abundance. Because uh, in the world, as you know, the one part of the world is dying from hunger, another part of the world uh, dying from overeating. One part of the world dying from the heat, Another part of the world is freezing. <laughs> so there is always uh, polarities. So each person actually like a fractal, like a small unit of holographic uh, model of universe that can bring all these qualities whenever we are. So when, for example, I'm in India, uh, uh, I'm dealing with Indian people in that way. So you know this. Yes, you will not speak uh, with Indians uh, from uh, the, I don't know, Maltese tradition or uh, the etiquette of uh, British. So you will speak uh, in a human way. Do you want to eat? Do you want to drink? 
So, uh, how is your mother? How is your children? Uh, and uh, so this is uh, what uh, I truly believe we must go if we want to survive as a civilization. If we will not develop this human aspect of ourselves, uh, what we call now dehumanization of society, when we rational, uh, the rationality becoming to be so hard, the restrictions are so high that uh, the level of um, psychiatric uh, cases and the uh, level of people with depression, suicidal condition, uh, intentions, uh, people who have uh, mental disorders, uh, this number is growing high. Uh, I will mention Malta because I live the last 20, almost 24 years in Malta. Uh, about 15 years ago, I read in a newspaper, Maltese newspaper, that 15% of Maltese populations included any age use antidepressants. Why do we need, why are we so depressed? <laughs> there is uh, uh, the sea around, yeah, Malta is a very nice place to live. What we depressed from? From this pressure not to be who we really are. All the all healing is uh, coming back from our authenticity, and we are. Uh, we have a very rich, uh, rich spectrum of our feelings, and we shouldn't uh, suppress them because this is how life is going on. I think this would be a great time to go more into the spiritual topic because. As you said in the beginning, you are sure about our spiritual, the reality of our spiritual nature. And I also feel the same after the last 10 years of my experience. I can, sometimes I find myself saying that to, to people who come to Sanya, who are completely disconnected from their spiritual life. And I noticed that in myself that maybe a few years ago I would I would feel hesitant, you know, to just be so bold to say like I am <laughs> I am really sure about this. But I think that's that's the beauty of transpersonal psychology is that it takes you into that experience where you experience your spiritual reality instead of as you said it being something that you read in a book or some something that someone told you to believe. It comes from inside yourself and I think it's something that we really need to open ourselves to that experience and, and seek those experiences because our authenticity is that. And sometimes we, like I had, I had one friend who came and in the first time that she came to Sanya, she, she just told me I'm an atheist, you know, it was very like a strong <laughs> declaration. And, and I said, okay, no problem, you know, but uh, if you like, just be open and let's see what, what happens. And it was so magical because she had so many small experiences that came from inside to give her that experience that in just a very short time that dogmatic statement Beliefs. yes <laughs> the religion actually, of atheism yes the, 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 the religion of atheism it was something like an openness came to let me experience and the more you open yourself actually the deeper and more beautiful the experience is coming and i just think it's something that is really nice to talk about because it's not something that is spoken about a lot in society. We, we're so, in a way, fed up of the religious sort of way of expressing our spiritual nature. And, and I think it's just nice to 
to give people an insight maybe into your experience and, and, and you know, how you got to this point where you feel so... Yes, that's the beauty of a transpersonal experience because it includes also meditation. It includes a lot of practice when you are sort of out of your limited self-perceptions. And uh, um, what we discussed some time ago, some years ago with you, uh, the divine feelings, this spiritual experience becoming to be accessible. So that's the beauty of transpersonal psychology, when not someone, some uh, religious person, some hermit, some yogins who uh, stays in a cave uh, for a long time, have no family, all the celibacy, all life, so, and then this person achieves some uh, enlightenment, experience some catharsis, divine catharsis or spiritual catharsis, to realize that we are not just uh, the body, we are beyond the body, beyond our rational mind. So that is the beauty of transpersonal psychology. We can get this experience to feel who we really are. So that is why I'm sort of left the field of uh, psychiatry because uh, the all psychiatry is about how to control your experience. I also found in all these many years that people who have a spiritual crisis, like uh, they start to develop or waking up in their spiritual nature, uh, they uh, feel a lot of conflicts with their previous condition. So there is a crisis. And of course, this crisis can be very uneasy to manage. So something beyond the uh, ordinary perceptions can bring a lot of fears. Some people think, oh, I saw the colors around the other person. So it's just the aura. So I'm afraid of it. Uh, uh, one of my students was very funny. After the uh, breathwork, she woke up and uh, with a smile and then uh, she looked at me with a big fear and she said, I can't believe that I saw the color of music. So how it can be? So because the world around us is much, much richer than just our five senses. And uh, so it will be very sad to go to the grave without actually discovering uh, who we truly are. Yeah? So last time I said about if we will not uh, bring love, so what for to bring this love, this feelings, this sharing, this warmth of our own heart, the soul, the compassion, the, this feelings of togetherness, tenderness, this dance of life. What is this for if it will be just in a grave? Yeah. So the atheism reminding me communism because I was brought up in a very communistic country. Russia. And uh, I can tell you that it also was a religion. So we have our icons, the portraits of our leaders, communistic leaders. We have a special room for that with a red table, like an altar. So we have a special bookshelf with a uh, sort of sacred books. Uh, <laughs> yes, for communism. So declaration included Karl Marx, Lenin. So we have our demigods, sort of. So the prototype, the archetype 
is implemented in each system. Take uh, North Korea, take China, take any kind of dictatorship. The model is still the same. The archetype, this is what I want to say. Yeah, the archetype is the same. And we need to remember that what archetype is actually I'm following, what influenced me. Mostly. Of course, at home, I can be a mother or the wife or a sister or daughter or uh, someone somewhere at work, it can be doctor, teacher, etc. But in reality, beyond of that roles, who am I? And uh, I am the same little girl, the same child, what I remember about myself, five years old, I still remember the garden. Uh, with the huge flowers that impressed me so and now when I feel upset or uh, like some life sometimes challenging I remember this girl so I remember this uh, expression uh, of um, um, tenderness uh, kindness of this world around me beauty so it's uh, bring me a lot of uh, energy and nowadays a lot of people complain that they're always tired, they have no energy. So where the energy? The energy are serving these models of behavior. If you feel that you are chronically tired, it's the first signal that you disconnect with your real self. Go back. Take your uh, photographs from your childhood. Connect again to these feelings when you've been a little, uh, do not know much, but full of feelings. So that's my uh, advice. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. yeah. I, I would love to speak about Bali. I don't know why, but <clears throat> obviously we both, we shared many trips there and it has played a part in both of our, our spiritual lives. And... I don't know why, but for me, the experience of, of going to Bali really awakened this this authenticity, this deeper sensitivity, I can say. I don't know if you just have anything to say about about that and the spiritual experience of going there and, and any thoughts. Well, in Bali, I came there in 2002 for the first time. And uh, I feel like I'm in a, a world of paradise and fairy tales because... Uh, the behavior of the people was so innocent, so authentic. Even though, of course, uh, it's uh, uh, just uh, the view of the foreigners, because we do not know what is behind. They have their own archetypes of uh, the um, uh, evils as well. However, I feel this uh, innocence of expression. So that touched me very much. So they are not so refined. They are, of course, they have their own traditions when you need to behave in one way or the other way, but they are more in touch with the uh, traditional. It, it's actually a part of the tradition to feel and to express the feelings. And uh, unfortunately, now uh, European culture, uh, the tradition is more how deeply you can suppress yourself. So maybe at the time, when uh, uh, Balinese will learn how to organize the life <laughs> and uh, European will learn how to express themselves. 
Decide of that Bali, of course, uh, because people are in touch with the spirits of nature. So this flow uh, of uh, uh, nature is uh, just a part of your daily life. So you're waking up, uh, you feel the sun, have a different perceptions on you. Yeah, it's not just a sunny day, but you feel that you are connected to that. So. There's a beautiful uh, uh, forests around, big leaves, trees, uh, big flowers around. So also bring that you are like, a, uh, you know, like a, all of a sudden you're like Alice in a wonderland. So you're becoming to shrink and you're becoming to be between this uh, uh, wonderful world. So it brings this innocence to you. I believe for this. Uh, parallel between the feelings of innocence and uh, authenticity. Our rational mind is all the time judging us and life becoming to be very boring, just white and black because of this judgmental mind and the way it are trained to be uh, judges. And unfortunately, uh, people becoming to be very sick. One of the techniques what I use a lot in uh, my healing practice is how to forgive yourself. So Balinese forgives you easier, <laughs> at least in my experience. So I found that they do not like to remember something bad. So they do not even like to gossip about that. So I was touched when my first meetings with Balinese I was with the, from, with the question, so they asked me, how is your meditation, Dr. Lydia? <laughs> so they didn't ask me, how much did I gain? So am I married or not? What usually people asking, yeah? so how many children do I have? What university did I uh, um, graduated from? But they asked, how is your meditation? So how was your spiritual experience in meditation? So it's uh, really... Uh, straight away to the smile of our heart. So if you want to be uh, healthy uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, be authentic. Uh, it's okay to look like sometimes very foolish, very naive. We do not like to look naive. We like to impress and put our ego that we know it all. So, especially people who have a education. I've been graduated in the Moscow Medical Academy. And after that, have quite many different specializations on different healing traditions. But uh, uh, it's nothing if you do not know how to manage yourself. <laughs> it's all nothing. <clears throat> you know, when Somebody is saying that they uh, make a big discovery on that um, science and that science. I ask, how was the life of this person? Mm -hmm. And uh, when there is a sad end, what's this life for? Yes. <laughs> if you can't manage your own madness or your, all, your own emotions, you do not know how to manage your own life. And if you make the other people unhappy, what's the value? I think going back to what you said about kind of that innocence and learning to forgive ourselves, that that connection with our spirituality is so important because it is uh, I don't know what what helped me find that innocence and that forgiveness is realizing that 
spiritual reality, right? That maybe from a material perspective that we are good or we are bad, we are fat, we are thin, but spiritually we don't have that. It's like that original innocence is coming from from that. I think that's why you know, Bali for me really helped be that bridge because it is a culture that the spiritual reality is just a part of material life. And Absolutely. If you remember, uh, Balinese uh, giving the offering for the, uh, the gods and the evils. So for the gods to satisfy gods, uh, to, for blessing and for the evils, not for them not to be hungry. So when the evils are not hungry, they feel being respected uh, as a part of the nature of uh, part of a divine plan so they're very respectful yeah so they uh, then they will not uh, be aggressive towards people i think it's very very wise <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> instead of fighting uh, with the evils so they to feed them. <laughs> feed them yes to satisfy and to ask what do you want and uh, so i have some experience um, uh, one period of my life i work with children in a psychiatric uh, ward and it was uh, children from uh, uh, orphanage so a lot of them uh, have been badly damaged in their childhood and a lot of them was really misbehaving so they was very cynical they can spit on you they was uh, using very bad words they've been all the time running they've been destroying everything on their way <coughs> But when you started talking to them from the point of similarity, what do you want? So what is your need? So what can I do for you? Do you want something? Tell me. I mm -hmm. can try to find a way. So these uh, little evils becoming to be very, very uh, in touch with their own real feelings. So they started crying. Because to uh, manage uh, the hard influences of life, we are learning easier from our childhood. How to resist, how to defend ourselves, how to fight for human rights, for uh, uh, everything. But uh, when we're in touch to our own feelings, uh, we do not know how to manage them. So we are crying because we simply do not know how come I deal, uh, I should deal with that feelings? Um, and that is the moment of truth. So do not be afraid to cry. Unfortunately, in our society, uh, women are allowed to cry, but men are not. And uh, especially when I'm in Muslim countries, now, now I'm going to Egypt, we're doing the a mysterious journey to Egypt. It will be very, very interesting uh, uh, retreats very soon in March. So uh, how to deal uh, beyond the social uh, or religion uh, uh, dogmas on behavior. So how to be in touch with yourself. So men also must cry. Men also must feel their own true feelings, the pain. Of course, uh, uh, the perceptions can be different, but to deal with that, it's already a journey of a hero, yeah? to see your own monsters and to convince, uh, con con uh, convert <laughs> your monsters into the uh, something what you can accept.
So that is transformational work. I'd love to get your thoughts, Lydia, on, on to go a bit deeper in this topic of children because I I see a lot uh, through our work here at Sanya that <clears throat> a lot of um, children of parents who are not in a good condition themselves emotionally um, are very, very disturbed. And uh, one, some, one of my friends recently told me that children express what their parents suppress. Um, and I don't know if you agree on that and if you have any comments around, you know, for mothers who are dealing with kids who are, you know, really acting out and really having problems, but also they themselves are not uh, really in a, in a good state themselves. Well, of course, all crises of society is hitting the most vulnerable group as children, because children cannot um, uh, put masks, so they are very innocent in expression and perceptions. And I absolutely agree that children express what the adults suppress. I absolutely agree for that. And actually, the constellation work uh, just show it more and more. Um, uh, it's a big, huge question how to help to our children because uh, um, we are not in a good state as a society, as a civilization. And uh, what about the future of these children? Uh, they disagree with the way how do we live. They disagree. And they bring out the revolutionary behavior on this disagreement. Um, what should I uh, suggest to the young parents how to deal with children? Whatever happens, uh, try not to input your adult problems on your children. Because nowadays, many young parents take children as the psychotherapist or the uh, counselor for the relationship between mother and father. <laughs> this is uh, absolutely taboo. Uh, children are children. So what happened uh, beside the door of the bedrooms of the parents is absolutely not the world. So please keep it for psychotherapist, not for your children. I saw many times that young parents are trying to compensate the um, problems uh, on children so better pay for your own uh, psychotherapist rather than you will pay for the trouble that your child will bring <laughs> so it's a first thing secondly I also found that our system of education uh, is not supportive at all for children's authenticity so it's putting the competitive um, system of marking the knowledge, the behavior. So it's uh, um, many children do not like the schools because it's boring. The uh, academical uh, time when they have to spend in a school is absolutely against the physiological state. I spoke in one of my talk that uh, it's, uh, if the physiology of a child before 12 is only 15 minutes to keep the attention, uh, then another 30 minutes, because the academical hours is 45 minutes, is absolutely torture for this child. So it's better to have a 15 minutes. And then I know some schools are uh, trying the system to implement. However, 
it's not uh, as a system now. So I uh, hope one day the educators and um, medical specialists will speak about it, how to humanize the process of studying. The second part is children are always moving. They need the activities. And because they're not freezing yet, they do not have such a feelings that they need to suppress. Uh, the adults, uh, when they do not want to move much, they want to sit down, to talk, or to watch TV, etc. Uh, it happened because they have too much heaviness, emotional heaviness in themselves. So your kids actually can be your healers. So follow them, especially in our era, uh, the souls, the spirits that are coming to the to embodied to this. Uh, 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 time, uh, they have a particular wisdom, universal wisdom. So listen to your children. Doesn't mean that you, we need to follow them, but just listen and see what's the future. Do not try, try to bring your children to the past. So we now need to learn. Unfortunately, the experience what we collect, accumulate through many generations will not work in this new era of technology. It's sad to say to me that we just need to give up and allow our children to live their own life. Uh, I want to notice uh, that um, we need to pay special attention not to poison our children because the food what we're feeding them, the cultural uh, surrounding what we give them as a social life is very toxic. So there are too many uh, beer bars, wine bars, too many junk food places. So we make our children sort of a part of that poison culture uh, with the wrong food, wrong uh, entertainment. So we shouldn't do that. If we really love our children, we should think what can we do the best for them, what good habits. Yeah, if we feeding them with the healthy food and we teach them how to make it tasty. So the children will give the same food for their own children. So like this, we will continue this and give this knowledge to the next generation. Um, we need to pay attention for that. So instead of these parties and McDonald's with a lot of noise, and toxic food, and uh, when children are uncontrollable after that, there are few days. I uh, have some parents, they telling me that my child is uh, like mad after all these parties because it's too much noise, bad food, bad drink. Uh, so we need to rethink, do not overstimulate the bodies because the physiology of the body have its own rules and regulations, its nature. I always think that I always get this thought that children can be a real call to adventure for their parents to really embark on a in a journey for themselves. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So Lydia, I think we'll start to end our conversation. This is the Go Within podcast, that's the name of the podcast. So I usually like to end by just asking like if you have any anything you'd like to share as an inspiration for whoever's listening, if they have this call to go on this inner journey of any, anything you can share for them to support them? I want to say that uh, the only value, real value, do we have, it's our life. Uh, 
and uh, uh, all our achievements have a big price, a big meaning. However, we need to compare what is the price behind of it. What is the price on our health, our uh, emotions, our feelings, our authenticity? If any kind of system imprisoning us and makes us sick, so I really suggest think before you enter the system. Uh, if you feel that with someone you are not happy and your life becoming to be like a prison, think what are you doing with this person so because the value of life is uh, uh, priceless and we have it very short and remember also that the biggest fuel for life is love if we uh, want love back we need to seed love yes there is a very wise um, wisdom ancient wisdom uh, you will get what you plant. So if you want love, plant love. If you want uh, money, plant money. <laughs> give money. Start with something. So if you want kindness, give kindness because the world will always reflect. It's also a big discussion because many people experience the opposite. They said, I'm so kind, but the, I receive back only bad things. Um, we need to remember that we are not on a marketplace. So if we give love, you will receive it not from the same people, but from somewhere else. <laughs> so that's the message. To appreciate who we really are, our uniqueness, and never ever doubt that uh, high level of your own value, your own life. So never, whatever millions of people can say that you are nothing, do not believe because if divine create you if you are part of this universe and you still exist there is a deep meaning behind and you have your own purpose to be here beautiful <laughs> thank you so much Lydia thank you for being uh, inviting me for being this uh, uh, part of your beautiful project what you're doing in Malta so I know that it's already implemented a lot of people so like life is going on so I will wait you in Egypt yes I will visit for sure and you know Lydia it's uh, my very deep gratitude to you because I feel your uh, touch and your inspiration in everything that I do here and I can only really share what I've experienced so if I I actually was thinking about this you know if I never had uh, all of that experience especially you know I, I really look back to the time when I attended a lot of your breathing workshops and without that I wouldn't have found I think my own uh, authenticity and now I'm I'm at a different stage where I'm holding space more for others and it's actually a very beautiful thing to be able to do as you said it's it's very touching to your heart when you receive that you can also share it with others but uh, when you do that it's always uh, natural gratitude to all the people that gave you that uh, experience along the way so thank you Lydia I will be telling everyone a little bit more about that in my introduction <laughs> So, and thank you to everyone for listening to these uh, conversations this podcast is just a passion project to 
encourage us all to go within because as we've said in this podcast that is the real valuable thing in our life to know ourselves and experience our inner reality so yeah, thank you all the forces that support our talk the space yes and, uh... <laughs> thank you for listening and see you next time mm.